We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. You can do what you want to us, but we're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. Gentlemen! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the Weekend Answer Show. I'm Garrett Fay. I'm joined by Jim Righeimer. As always, we are glad you are with us. A lot of news to get to this weekend to be covering impeachment, the rollout of the COVID vaccine in California and all the problems, the effort to recall Gavin Newsom, some big Supreme Court decisions on religious liberty for people in California. And Riggy, obviously a big week. Um, Trump under the microscope again, yet we still haven't heard from Trump, which is bizarrely um, I don't know. It's quiet from him. I don't know what he's doing down in Florida. There's only so well, he, much golf you can do. So, I'm not, what, what's he doing? He can't talk. I mean, he can't communicate. He can't tweet. He so, can hold a press conference. Yeah, he can hold a press conference. That's a little bit harder to do. But I mean, basically, there's not his normal reaction. Most of the stuff he did was tweets. Remember, and so right. we get up in the morning and we'd hear what he's talking about or saying. He actually didn't do a press conference. He doesn't have the staff necessarily to do it. So we just we don't hear from him. But I mean, what we heard this week, you know, so far is all this this impeachment stuff. This is pretty, you know, boring, bizarre stuff. I mean, it's it's basically who can who can win. I, I think about lawsuits that you're going for billions and billions of dollars after somebody and you just try to get 12 idiots on the jury to believe it. They're just trying to get, you know, two-thirds of the Senate idiots to believe this crap. So the impeachment uh, trial of President, former President Donald Trump kicked off on Wednesday, or Tuesday, rather, this last week. They did some opening statements. They showed some video. And one, I think, smart thing that the House impeachment managers did was they showed a video of, of the rioting at the Capitol. And they really pushed the video footage because, let's be honest, that's more powerful than hearing a bunch of congressional blowhards try and convince you that they can prove the legal elements of incitement of insurrection or dereliction of duty. And you had uh, House Manager Jamie Raskin. He's from Maryland. He's the lead imp- impeachment manager. And he got going, and he was basically trying to convince people what he was going to do and what the facts were that he was going to show. Because I've been a professor of constitutional law for three decades, I know there are a lot of people who are dreading endless lectures about the Federalist Papers here. Please breathe easy, okay? I remember well W.H. Auden's line that a professor is someone who speaks while other people are sleeping. You will not be hearing extended lectures from me because our case is based on cold, hard facts. It's all about the facts. President Trump has sent his lawyers here today to try to stop the Senate from hearing the facts of this case. They want to call the trial over 
before any evidence is even introduced. Now, one of the problems is they didn't read out one of the more important facts, which is what President Trump actually said on January 6th, which was this. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. So for the people that didn't see it, basically they edited videos together showing all the craziness that was happening at the Capitol. And if you now you don't show people outside, you know, singing God Bless America. You don't show all that. You just show the crazy stuff and you edit. I mean, I don't know if they get they actually going to get nominated for the Academy Award for editing or not. But that's basically what this is. So you're trying to convince some people you do emotional stuff. I noticed the the background music wasn't that good. (laughs) They needed to do better music. They had to have more drums and kind of really build up to the crescendo and then the end and and then the credits are going to role. So what this professor didn't say, or this lawyer didn't say, is, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm going to show you the video, which remember where kids audio visual day when the, when the teacher right. would come in and roll the projector in and say, we're going to watch this. That now, was way better than having to learn. Yeah, I'm older than you. We had a projector that rolled in anyway, yeah. but it rolled in and we're just going to sit there and watch the videos or we're going to watch the film. Um, and that's all this thing was. And, and they're editing this thing for a vote. Right. And what they're angling for really is not to convince Democrats. They're trying to pick off enough Senate Republicans to send a message. And they're not going to get enough Republicans to actually convict Trump. What they're trying to do, I think, is get enough Republicans to vote to convict Trump, where it basically makes Trump damage goods. Because if only Democrats vote to convict him, then Trump will basically be 2-0 and in impeachments. And he can credibly claim, I was the victim of these partisan impeachments, which no Republicans supported. And look, there was a few votes in the House by Republicans to move forward with it. So, yeah, there was some bipartisanship there. There's going to be four or five Republicans in the Senate who vote for it. But the problem is when you ignore what Trump says, all you're really doing is demonizing a guy who's out of office. And in this country, we don't prosecute our political opponents. Well, unless you're Obama and Biden, then you open an investigation into, into Trump. But for the most part, we move on. And when Trump was defeated electorally, and no, it wasn't stolen, but when he was defeated, that should be how the country moves on. This just shows to me how vindictive Democrats are. Well, not only that, remember, they're, number one, this is Crazy Nancy's deal. She's just crazy, and she, she wants to be, he's the first president to be impeached twice. Yeah, because you crazy, Nancy. And then number two, they're looking to destroy the Republican Party. They know if they can break away enough Republicans, more than the four or five that, you know, quite frankly, could lose their seats in the states they're in. They're tough states to be Republicans in. That basically they're going to destroy the Republican Party because you're going to get the Trumpers split off on their own group, and then you're going to get the the never the uh, the never Trumpers go the other direction. It just becomes a, a train wreck, and it and it splinters the party. If if a half a dozen more Republican senators voted with the Democrats, what party do I want to be in? Which one am I going to pick? I mean, I'm, I'm a solid conservative my whole life, but this is goofy talk, you know, of what's happening here. Let Romney and those guys do what they want to do. That's what it's going to be. Isn't, isn't Romney, he's from Massachusetts, right? Uh, re- well, he's from Michigan, then was elected in Massachusetts, now he's in Utah. Oh, that's right. So you're the governor of Massachusetts, right. which is how he votes, right? and now he's over in Utah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You can just trade, <laughs> trade out different states. That's right. Interesting. Now, so what's so interesting is in the wake of this— and this, you know, impeachment is scheduled to finish next week. So Trump will likely be acquitted by the Senate. But then the question is, what happens next? And I'm sure Trump will weigh in. Some never Trumpers in D.C. are saying they might form a different political party. Trump has suggested he might form a different political party. And really, all of these people 
are just being gullible and stupid because this is exactly what Democrats want. Right. They wanted basically if you can break it up, you know, down here in Orange County, we've got the supervisors race. It's a special race because Michelle Steele's on the board of supervisors won the congressional seat. And the, the, the seat should be won by John Morlock, the Republican. It used to be that he was in that seat before. It's a great supervisor seat. And what did we have? We've got um, Republicans that purposely who hate John put a couple more Republicans in to break up the vote so that the Democrats going to go ahead and win. It's fait accompli. It's already over with. It's the same thing if we break up the Republican Party. You're not going to break up a party, a, a, a country this split, break up one half and two halves and win anything ever again. Well, what's so interesting, too, is some of these D.C. Republicans who have no national following think they're going to be be able to continue on without Trump's base and without all the millions of new voters Trump brought into the party. And yet I think they're kind of fooling themselves because they don't have that connection with those people. And look, you know, Trump lost. I don't think he's going to run again. I frankly don't think he should run again. But he did do some good things for the party. He connected with people who had never been Republicans and wouldn't be Republicans. So to the extent you want to get rid of Trump, fine. But you have to keep his people. Otherwise, you're a complete non-starter politically. Yeah, and and the Republicans will never win again. Coming up, the Biden White House defends Gavin Newsom, a ridiculous executive order on transgender rights, and aims to get kids back in school one day a week. Be right back. Everyone, welcome back. It's the Weekend Answer Show. Garrett Faye, Jim Righeimer, AM870, The Answer. Weekendanswer at gmail.com. Also, don't forget the show's on the podcast on iTunes. If you miss it live, you can check it out there. Talking about all the things the Biden administration is doing, sitting there in the background, lurking behind the impeachment. Ricky Joe Biden is slowly destroying America, one bad idea at a time, and doing things that I don't think anyone voted for him to do. He had a busy week, though. The White House was defending Gavin Newsom against the recall talking about its executive order on transgender rights, and then really set the bar high, saying it wanted to get kids back in school one day a week. Here's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki talking about the one-day-a-week goal. Why is the administration setting the bar at one day a week? Why not go higher? Well, certainly we are not uh, planning to uh, celebrate at 100 days if we reach that goal. Uh, That is our own effort to make our own, set our own markings, bold and and set an bold and ambitious agenda for how we're going to measure ourselves and progress. Bold? I mean, what's bold about one day a week? I mean, it's just like up is down, down's up, left is right. I mean, they just spin beyond. The only thing she didn't say is we're going to circle back on that question. But other than that... So the Obama she should have she would have been better off saying we'll circle we'll back. circle back yeah right I mean so you basically have Obama the king of I'm bringing us back to normalcy I'm bringing us back to the way America was before I'm bringing us back to the non craziness oh going to schools not wait normal? you mean Biden you said Obama Obama yeah same thing <laughs> this okay. is this really is the third Obama it is, term. It is, it is the third third one in there but I mean it's basically the spin right, right. so and I and I'm saying Biden Biden's not saying anything he's drinking warm milk somewhere in the basement in the basement no it's it's sad it's a whole sad thing anyway bottom line is 
Schools should be open. The labor unions don't want the teachers' union, which controls him. I remember the whole big thing with my wife's a teacher, you know, Dr. Biden. Oh, yeah, Dr. Joe Biden. Dr. Joe Biden. Teaching remedial English at a community college. Yeah, yeah. So that show, so she's whatever. Again, another bizarre issue. But we should open the schools. Everybody said we should open the schools. The health care people, the CDC said everybody said we should open the schools. We got to get the world to normalcy. Also, when you open the schools, you allow people to go back to work. Right. Parents They're, go back to work. I mean, I, I sit there. With, with my wife, with our kids, and, and some are in and some aren't back and forth. And, you know, we have the financial means to, to solve some of our problems. What about the normal, everyday family that got two kids at home trying to teach them both Zoom? You got a, four, a, a six-year-old and a 10-year-old. They don't have a big enough area to do it in. Everybody's talking. This is crazy. They need to go back to school. Well, it's also a war on the low income, the poor people in the totally. country. Because they might not have laptops, iPads, or good Wi-Fi at their house. They might have no internet at their why, house. Why, why, what are why, they supposed to do? Yeah. So just get it back. No, no. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to spend hundreds of billions of dollars on, on free Wi-Fi. No. Just get the kids back in school. You know, this system of kids going to school has been working for a while. Right. Well, the other thing is, you know, all of the kids of these wealthy politicians, even in D.C., have probably been going to school since March or April of last year well, because you, private schools didn't close. Well, no, this is white privilege. Yeah. You didn't know? Right. It's, it's just all privilege. No, what it is is you're destroying the normal system that keeps kids learning. The public school system, as envisioned by our forefathers, is one of the greatest things that ever happened in the world. That it didn't matter who your father was or your mother was or your last name, you could get educated in a proper way and be something in this world. And what's happened is the labor unions have taken control of which who, who own Biden. I guarantee you when, when, the, when, the, when the teachers union has their national convention, whenever that is someday again where they can not have to wear masks, they're going to talk about this win. They're going to talk about, we got the ear of the the, uh, the president of the United States and our people didn't go to, to work if they weren't, quote unquote, safe, right. which is ridiculous. Well, and what this also shows is the whole Biden campaign emphasis on following the science and listening to the experts is a bunch of BS. And MSNBC's Joe Scarborough, former Republican, even commented on that. I want to follow up on the And let's just let's just uh, let's just say it like it is. I mean, I. I you know, the Biden administration, Joe Biden cannot, could not, cannot attack Donald Trump for not listening to health care officials. And then when he's scared of teachers unions, he can't not listen to health care officials who were saying it's time to go back to school. And but, this retreat a couple of days ago, I'm sorry, there's not another word for it. It was pathetic. Yeah, it's pathetic that they went ahead and they did that. It's pathetic that their goal of normalcy is one day a week. How does a, a company or an empl- a, a parent who's the one staying at home with the kids going to d- decide what day they can go to work or their job on one day a week? Well, and imagine if Biden, when he was running for president, said, my vision is that schools reopen one day a week. Yeah. Would yeah. that have been compelling? No, no, no. And 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 also the, the the other issue, which is going to be a big issue and is really going to you know train wreck a lot of things, is what he's doing to women's sports. Yeah. So this is the next issue we want to talk about, which is on day one, Joe Biden signs an executive order that basically says biological men, or as they are called, transgender women, can compete against biological women, known as cis women, in sports. And so this last week, a reporter asked White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, Ms. Circleback, about that. Does the president have a message for local school officials on dealing with these kind of disputes that are already starting to arise? Between uh, trans girls who are competing and cis girls in a level playing field, particularly in high school sports when it leads to 
college scholarships. Is there any kind of messaging or clarification that the White House wants to give on the executive order? I would just say that the president's belief is that uh, trans rights are human rights, and that's why he signed that executive order. Uh, and in terms of the determinations by universities and colleges, I would certainly defer to them. Yeah, it's just it's absolutely ridiculous. We're, we're not talking even about the scholarships. We're just talking about sports. And sports is a great way for young people to learn about life, to work with people, to do teamwork, to, to hold their emotions in, to put their emotions out. It's just a good thing all the way around. It's not to have to be a, a champion and, and, and go to the NBA. But the reality of it is you put a freshman boys against freshman girls. And listen, I got a, a daughter, a couple daughters that play basketball, quite well play basketball. But you, you Yeah, they're take, better than you. By far. But you put together a freshman boy who's got testosterone, muscles going through his body, starting to fill out against girls. It's just not close. It's yeah. not, and I'm talking about great girls. You want to destroy the WNBA? Destroy the Women's National Basketball Association, who Kobe Bryant works extremely hard to make sure that they could be recognized and known and to build up that league, and to go ahead and we're going to destroy it because some somebody says, hey, listen, I'm a mediocre guy. I really can't play that well, but I'm better than girls. And so what? Is, is the WNBA going to start taking them in? This issue has to be stopped now. Well, and this is really idiocy because, number one, it punishes women. It's also on some level offensive to men because it incentivizes guys who aren't good enough on the men's league to go play women's leagues. I mean, is this going to lead to, let's say, a men's tennis player ranked 200 in the world going off and beating Serena Williams at Wimbledon? Well, not They're not Ser- going to allow that. Not Serena. <laughs> you, you never know because some of these guys, they serve 140 miles an hour. Yeah, so, but the whole, the whole po- exactly. But the whole point of it is it's absolutely ridiculous to destroy the system. But this is a bigger picture of what the left is doing, the woke left is doing to destroy America. It's you unhook people from their families. You unhook people from their community. I mean, you unhook them from the, from the, the Pledge of Allegiance. You unhook them from everything that puts them together to say we're Americans and then you go, well, it starts to crumble and go apart, and that's how you get control of people. When people's lives start falling apart, that's when you get control of them. Yeah, that's true. Now, one of the more entertaining aspects of this week, which flew under the radar because it was not the impeachment, is there was a hearing on Wednesday to confirm Joe Biden's nominee, Neary Tandon, who runs the Liberal Center for American Progress, the think tank. He wants her to be the head of the Office of Management and Budget. This is a fairly important agency in D.C. Well, she has a history of writing mean tweets about Bernie Sanders and taking corporate money. And so they went through a whole confirmation hearing asking her about her mean tweets. And here's Republican Senator Kennedy from Louisiana talking to her about her tweets about Bernie. I'm very disturbed about your personal comments about people. Um, you know, it's not just one or two. I think you deleted about a thousand tweets and it wasn't just about republicans and i don't mind disagreements in policy i think that's great i love the dialectic but the comments were personal i mean you call senator sanders everything but an ignorant slut and then he had to clarify this i want the record to reflect that i did not call senator sanders an ignorant slut (laughs) Which, of course, calls to mind the great SNL line by Dan Aykroyd. Jane, you ignorant slut. Yeah, I mean, Kennedy, you can always get a good line out of Kennedy. Oh, yeah, this is the guy who pretends to be the country bumpkin, but went to Ivy League and is really wealthy. Real real, real smart, real bright, and kind of takes his time, talks about the issues, and works it all the way through it in there. But no, um, let, let me tell you something. 
the things that she said are crazy. Yep. There were personal attacks on it. And when you sit there and think, Office of Management and Budget, the office that kind of calculates what bills are going to cost and how much things are. And this lady is just ripping people's heads off in, in tweets and that kind of stuff. You wonder, how can you put this person in a job? Because she worked for Hillary. Yep. She worked for Obama, and she's part of the Obama crew. And if you're a Democrat, you can say whatever the hell you want about anyone, I even your own team. Yeah, I can't imagine in the Republican Party something like that actually happening because it just doesn't – it's just not something that we do. Nope. When we return, the recall, the recall is getting bipartisan support. COVID testing sites are shutting down, and L.A. District Attorney is smacked down by a judge. Don't change that dial. All right, welcome back. It's the Weekend Answer Show. Garrett Fade, Jim Righeimer, talking about some local stories now. And what's going on with the recall? Well, the recall effort is getting some more bipartisan support. Will there be a deal over teacher testing and COVID and getting kids back in schools? Not likely. Why is that? Well, because as we'll also talk about, the city of L.A. is running out of vaccines and closing vaccine administration sites. And then... The gift that keeps on giving, L.A.'s new district attorney, George Gascon, gets slapped down by an, an L.A. city judge about his reforms and how those aren't flying because they actually violate the law. But, Riggy, biggest thing is obviously the recall. And the recall is about 1.5 million signatures. And what we found out this last week is that it's not just Republicans who are in favor of this thing. You've got a bunch of Democrats about 10% have been submitted by registered Democrats, with a quarter of the uh, signatures being presented by voters unaffiliated with any political party. But the most important number of this is, according to the recall organizers, the petitions are getting an 85% validation rate. And for those who don't understand recall politics, that is the only number that really matters at the end of the day. Yeah, because what happens is normally to get a recall done in California, you have to gather so many signatures and you basically fund it with money and you hire signature gatherers. And those are the guys that are outside the grocery store when you walk and say, sign here and we're going to save the world, whatever, and you don't even realize what you're signing. But they get paid a buck, two bucks, three bucks. And towards the end, they'll get five, six, seven dollars a signature. What that pushes towards is the people to kind of cheat. And just because they get paid per signature, they don't really care about the the verification of it. What happens when you have everyday, you know, Americans, Californians out there getting it, they're not going to cheat. In fact, of the 15 percent that the signatures aren't good is people that didn't realize they didn't re-register to vote when they moved or those type of things. Of course, if it was an election, they would count that vote. Right. You know, they would absolutely count it because that person scribbled something on whatever. But but for the recall, you have to have it. What they're also doing is they're actually verifying the signatures as they're getting the signatures, which is un, uh, not completely unusual. So by doing that, we really know where we're at and we know what we have to do. So right now, I think the date is... St. Patty's Day. March 17th. March, yeah, yeah. St. Patty's Day, um, which is a good day to celebrate, right. uh, that they can get all the signatures. They want to get 2 million signatures to really kind of make an, an, a point on this. And uh, you know what will happen is that once the signatures are gathered, 
so many Democrats are going to break away because so many Democrats are going to say, hey, listen, Gavin, you're not on the ballot and we're not going to let have a chance where we don't have a Democrat on the ballot in case you get recalled. So then all of a sudden people start to break apart. They start to pick other candidates, which gets more people to say we're going to do the recall. Right. And so this last week, the Biden administration defended Newsom and said it opposes the recall effort. But, Ricky, you got to think once they get enough signatures to qualify for this thing, Newsom is going to be pretty toxic. And I think not only California Democrats, but national Democrats will start steering away from him. And I think they'll start blaming him more and more. And let's be clear about why Newsom is being a subject to the recall. It's not just COVID. It's all kinds of things. It's the EDD scandal where between 10 and $30 billion is unaccounted for. I mean, that's a huge number, right? Well, not unaccounted for. It was given to prisoners. And, and I mean, myself well, got, got a letter saying that I quit, that I got fired from my job with a company that I own. Right. Somebody had stole my information and got a check. Well, they can't, right. They, they spent, I think they wrongly spent about $11 billion, but they also can't account for an extra $20 billion of spending. Yeah. So Newsom is presiding over a state that is racked by wildfires from poor mismanagement. You've got the EDD scandal. You've got COVID. You've got the business shutdowns, the vaccine administration rollout, which has been a nightmare. And even L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti, probably one of the worst mayors in L.A.'s history, he's talking about how L.A. is running out of doses of COVID vaccine. I said 16,000 doses is what we burn through on an average day. And now we've received that for an entire week. That is unacceptable. I'm not here to point fingers. I'm here, as always, to be a partner. But I want to be clear. Los Angeles needs more doses. In fact, in a briefing from our county partners this morning, we learned that other cities with smaller populations are receiving more doses than our entire county with a larger population. Yeah, it's just bizarre. Listen, it's failures on all parts over there. You know, he, he, some some city got more than my city got or whatever happened. The, nobody is solving the problem or handling it. Let's remember, we had a month that went by from the time we could start putting needles in the arm till they got anything up and running. I mean, to think they would already have systems set up and running. They finally set up with some of the, the pharmacies, I guess, uh, CVS this week uh, can start giving shots. I mean, you know, the, the, the country gives out hundreds of millions of shots a year. This is like a basic, simple thing to do. Get the process in there and get everybody to have their shots. They didn't do it. And back to Gavin Newsom, what, what is he doing about our kids going back to school? Well, nothing. So, and that's the other problem. He doesn't worry about any issue. Because his kids have been going to private schools the right. whole time. And so when a lot of parents in SoCal are trying to figure out, are my kids going back to school? Will there be a deal between the teachers unions, the school administrators and everyone else to, you know, are we going to vaccinate everyone before they can go back? The answer is no, you're not going to vaccinate teachers and students and administrators before the schools reopen because there aren't enough vaccines. Why? Because the Biden administration sucks. They're not getting them out. California's doing a bad job. Newsom's doing a bad job. So the reason why your kid is not going back to school is because they're not going to get the vaccine. Their parents or teachers not get the vaccine because they're not doing a good job. So no, your kid's probably not going back to school more than maybe one day a week. Thank you, Joe Biden. Yeah. And so again, I said this before, I'm going to say it again. The idea of the vaccines, the idea of the shutdown, the idea of staying at our home was to save lives. That is no longer the, the goal. If the goal is to save lives, it's literally 70% of the deaths are people 65 years and older. 70%. 
All we should be doing is going to every nursing home, look up on every voter's registration, find all those people, send someone out there, make sure they get their shot. That knocks this thing down dramatically. But they're not doing that. They're doing what the politicians do and hand out goodies to their friends to say, you teachers can get your shot first because you might have snivelly little kids in here. The reality of it is if you're in the lower age group, which is a lot of the teachers and all that, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get the flu. Basically, you're not going to die. And the job was to not die. But no, politicians want to make everybody happy. So what happened? By saying you're going to give everybody a vaccine when you don't have enough, nobody all gets the vaccine. Yeah, so not only have the politicians been lying to us about needing to administer the vaccine for us to reenter society, they don't have enough vaccine to give us. So what's our public service announcement to the listeners in Southern California? The public service announcement is this. If you want your kids to go back to school and if you want to go back to your job, Sign the recall petition because right. the more signatures that thing gets, the more Newsom is going to back off because you know what he cares about more than you and your survival and your kids keeping his job. Right. And, and basically what they're talking about, you know, the fall, we're still going to be wearing masks. If the recall goes through, at least Governor Newsom won't be here. We'll have a different governor who's going to figure out how we're not going to be wearing masks the next year's Oh, yeah. Season. I mean, right. The, the more signatures you get, and if Newsom is recalled, you know what's going to happen? California's going to turn into Florida really quick. Businesses are going to open. Sports are going to reopen. Schools are going to reopen. Because whoever the next governor is, whether it's Republican or Democrat, they're going to look at Newsom and be like, you know what? I might be a lot of things. I don't want to be that guy. Well, yeah. And, and this thing's basically, it's, it's coming to an end. They're just dragging it out to continue to stay and keep control of people. And that's what we have to end around here. All this craziness. Yeah. So recall Gavin 2020 slash petition. Recall Gavin 2020.com forward slash petition. Do your part so you can go back to your job, get your kids back to your schools, and get Gavin Newsom out of the governor's mansion. Yeah, and he can go on vacation. Coming up, the Supreme Court rules in favor of religious observance in California, but allows some limits. See you in a few. Welcome back. It's the Weekend Answer Show. Garrett Fay, Jim Righeimer. I'm a business and election law attorney. Riggy's a businessman and developer. We're both married, which is probably the best thing about us. And Riggy's got some kids. How are those kids doing, Riggy? My kids are doing, during this COVID life, I, we're pretty impressed. They're doing pretty good. Yeah. Now, you've had some Zoom and some non-Zoom, right? We've had Zoom, non-Zoom. Um, you know, here, here's the worst thing about it is that when, when you go knock on your kid's door and it's morning time and they're in bed with their, with their Zoom class, I, I can't imagine how you can start thinking when you're laying on your pillow. Well, that's funny because last year when COVID first hit, there was a female lawyer in Florida who showed up for a Zoom court hearing in bed. She put on like a blazer and blouse for the top, but was in her bed and the judge actually sanctioned her and issues, issued orders for his courtroom and said, when you appear before me, you actually have to put on clothes and you can't be in bed. Yeah, I, I didn't sanction my girls, but I said you will get up and take a shower before class starts, right. period. Now, speaking of some legal issues and wrongdoing, covering a couple of things that happened this last week, which is, first of which is 
An L.A. Superior Court judge issues a ruling against the new L.A. D.A. George Gascon. Some of his own deputies has sued him for his failure to follow the law when it comes to three strikes and special enhancements. We'll talk about that. And then the Supreme Court rules against some California restrictions on houses of worship. What's that going to mean for you and yours as you try and live out your faith? And then talking about Mark Cuban, everyone's least favorite billionaire. He's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks basketball team. They were stopping playing the national anthem, and he said, we're not going to do it anymore. And the NBA said, no, you actually will do it going forward. So good news for people who love the national anthem, especially in Dallas. But, Riggy, let's get started with this DA situation. This is a guy, George Gascon. He'd been the DA of San Francisco, and then using some George Soros, billionaire leftist money, gets elected L.A. DA, and has basically been the least popular, least liked DA in the state, got no love from every other DA, and then he gets sued by his own deputies. This is amazing stuff. Well, think about this for a second. This is the district attorney. This is the person who prosecutes cases. If you listen to him talk or you see what he's done, you would think he was the defense counsel. Right. Yeah. You think he was the public defender. Seriously, right. he's the public defender's office. What he's saying is that all these different cases that come to us, and you're the lawyer, you can explain this better, but basically there's different enhancements when you do things wrong in, in, in a crime right. that gives you more and more time because it's a higher and higher level. He's saying, eh, we're not going to do that. Yeah, so he's trying to do what Obama did with immigration and basically exercise what he's saying is executive discretion. So just to make this really clear, if you commit a crime, let's say you rob somebody. Well, robbery is a crime. But if you rob someone using a gun, that's an enhancement. If you use a gun that's stolen, that's another enhancement. If you commit a robbery while using a gun while being a gang member, that's another enhancement. And then if robbing a gun that's stolen while being a gang member is your third strike, guess what? You're going to jail for a really long time. That's three strikes and you are out. What Gascon is doing is taking away those add-ons, those enhancements, and he didn't want to enforce the three-strikes law. So his deputies sue him, and this last week a judge says, no, you do have to enforce the three-strikes law because the voters voted on that. That is the law. And for cases that were brought before you were the DA, you have to prosecute the enhancements. The only rub is, the only negative is, going forward, Gascon and his army of assistant DAs have the discretion of whether or not to include the enhancements. Now, I have a friend who works for the LADA. I won't name his name because he works there. He told me everyone is mad as hell about this because when you join the district attorney's office, you feel like your vision, your calling is to stick it to criminals and put them away, not go soft on them. Now his boss is saying, we're basically going to let these people out of jail scot-free. This is really appalling. Yeah, and, and look what's already happened in crime across the country. I mean, across the country, I was thinking there were some cities that had carjackings up 500%. 500%. You know how that happens? The person that's supposed to be in jail is out of jail. They jack a car yeah. again. They go rob something. I mean, the one thing when I was on the city council and we talk about, you know, the, the especially low-level crime, people breaking into cars at night and that kind of stuff. When, when, when you go to bed at night, you know, and you're a druggie, you need to eat in the morning. And, and you don't have any money. So you're going to do all these low-level crimes that are out there. And it basically just works on you know, the, 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 the whole community and just gnaws and gnaws and gnaws to the point people don't feel safe. There's stuff out there. And then, of course, you catch somebody breaking in your car, and then someone pulls a gun. And before you know it, everything goes bad. But, you, but the come from that we've had from even back in New York when they turned New York around was it was the broken window theory. If you right. take care of the small little items to clean stuff up to say, hey – there, there's a sheriff in town here. Um, I remember in North Long Beach they had problems, and the, and the sheriff's department came in there and said, no more parking on the lawn of a house. 
You just don't park on a, on a lawn. You know what? It just shows that there's somebody here keeping control of how we do things, and you have to do it. What Gascon is doing is saying, nah, you don't understand. These poor guys, they just had a bad home life, and it's not really their fault, and, and all the cards were stacked against them, which could be completely true. Yeah, but look how things turned out in San Francisco. He doesn't exactly have a record to run on and say, oh, my model of enforcement worked. It was a disaster. Yeah, but we do care about those people that didn't go to jail. You know, I feel bad for them. And Who's caring about crime victims? Oh, but the, they had a bad childhood. Right. Well, and the good thing, as we talked about last week, the L.A. sheriff is going to send his deputies to parole hearings to make sure that crime victims have a voice. That's at least good. All right, now, next story we want to talk about. This comes to us out of Washington, D.C. The Supreme Court, fresh off of the two appointments by President Trump, you had Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. The Supreme Court ruled 6-3 that California can't bar indoor church services because of the coronavirus pandemic, but it can, for now, keep a ban on singing and chanting indoors. The Supreme Court issued two orders late Friday night, where churches had sued over coronavirus restrictions. And, Riggy, long story short, this is a win for those who want to go to church. The state can still cap indoor services at 25% of a building's capacity, but you can't chant or sing. So it's heading in the right direction. Thank you, Donald Trump. But it's still concerning. But I'm thinking... The more the recall signatures gather steam, I think some of these restrictions are going to loosen also. Yeah. Well, for, first of all, the numbers have crashed in half, what, in the last month as far as COVID. So it's all going the right direction. But we knew this case was coming. Finally, there's an actual case that went to the Supreme Court that said you could do it. Remember, they had percentages you could have in your church, but no more than 10 or 20. It just didn't make any sense. You can go to Costco and you can go to Walmart and you can go to Caesar's Palace and, and gamble, but you can't sit in church seven, eight feet. I mean, in our church, it would be like seven, eight feet to the next person right. in a pew. Nobody in the pews between. And somehow that was going to be, you know, uh, horrible and singing and chanting. So we got past that issue. We're going the right direction here. Let's just keep on, you know, moving the ball forward. It's not what we want, but it's it's moving the ball forward. Yeah. So Chief Justice John Roberts, who is an appointee of George W. Bush, who had voted with the liberals a couple of times, has now refound himself and voted with the conservatives. And he wrote that California's determination that the maximum number of adherents who can safely worship in the most cavernous cathedral is zero appears to reflect not expertise or discretion, but instead insufficient appreciation or consideration of the interests at stake. And quote. And basically what they're saying is California can't tell you you can go to Home Depot, Lowe's and Target and be indoors, but can't participate in indoor worship services. A good result for religious freedom in California. They were just following the science. <laughs> I mean, come on. They just know that if you pray, you're going to get COVID. Hey, this last issue, um, real quick, we have to get on this thing. Mark Cuban now, ban- banning the national anthem. Now, just for those who don't know who Mark Cuban is, he is someone who invented some technology, sold it for a billion dollars, bought the Dallas Mavericks, and is now on sh- the sh- uh, TV show Shark Tank. Kind of obnoxious guy. Yeah. So, you know, kind of swings politically, you know, kind of libertarian, but decided in November that his team was not going to play the national anthem. And of all places, Riggy, Dallas? Yeah. How is this going to fly in Dallas? Well, what what, it, what happened is they didn't say anything real about it. They just didn't play the national anthem. Remember, you're not playing in front of crowds. There's really nobody in there. If right. You're, if you're going to get you know your, your refreshments at the at the break, they they start the game. You may might have missed it. You don't know. But now it came out that he actually said that. And then he comes out and makes comments about. Well, you don't understand. We had some fans that weren't sure if they were inclus- included in the fact of the the pledge of allegiance or, or the national anthem and where they part. It's like what. 
are you talking about, Mark? Yeah, in what universe is the Pledge of Allegiance offensive in Texas? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're a Texan first, you're an American second, right? But other, but no, but he went ahead and he and he makes those comments, and it's just you know. Go for it, Mark, buddy. But anyways, the NBA, God bless them. To its credit. To its credit said, Mark, play it. You know what I'm waiting for is someone to suggest that the NBA start playing China's national anthem. There you go. During the game. There you go. Coming up, we're wrapping up the show with some good news. Be right back. Welcome back. It's the Weekend Answer Show. I'm Garrett Fay, joined as always by Jim Righeimer. Time for some good news. Riggy, get a story with started with an incredible story. This is a great story. This happened this last Tuesday um, off the the Florida Keys between the Keys and Cuba in a deserted island. A Coast Guard who uh, a helicopter that not helicopter a plane that was doing their their normal rounds checks out saw a flag and a and a being waved out there. And, and on a deserted island, and there were uh, three people who had been stranded there on the island. Um, had they lived off of coconuts and rats? That's wow! How they stayed alive? Um, they they couldn't obviously land. They dropped them a radio and some some water and some equipment, and everything else. And the, they had to wait twenty four hours because the weather was bad to go out there and got them. But they got these people. They had been thirty three days on a deserted island. Now I heard they were put there because they refused to wear a COVID mask. Is that right? They, no, they wore they wore COVID masks the whole thirty three days. <laughs> oh, no, they wore two masks. They right? wore two. They were they were double masking. Yes, they doubled masked out there. But listen, thirty three days they made it. They're, they were Cubans. And they're, they're, they're boat capsized. Nobody knows that they're trying to leave Cuba. They're just out there. But basically, they're boat capsized. They swam to this deserted island. And the U.S. Coast Guard did it again, saved three people on a deserted island without Gilligan. <laughs> <laughs> so kudos to the Coast Guard. Long story short, if you're stranded on desert island, I guess you want to eat. They said they ate coconuts, conch, and rats. I don't think I'd do the rats. 33 days, man, you're hungry. Oh, my gosh. All right, next good <laughs> Remember, news. Remember, they're from Cuba. This could be normal food dining. <laughs> or it could be an upgrade. <laughs> there you go. Uh, next good news story. This comes to us from Cincinnati, and this is a story of a tip war that's been escalating for over a month where alumni of the two different schools there, you've got Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati and Xavier. These are two schools that are three miles apart. They've been leaving extremely generous tips at local restaurants, and the local restaurants are then posting the pictures. So what are we talking about? Well, one guy, an Xavier alum, left a $1,000 tip on a $54 restaurant bill. Someone else left a $1,000 tip. Someone else said, well, I'm going to do one more, $1,000 and one. The crown thing here, the big achievement is, one person left a tip of $2,500 on a bill for $54. Riggy, great news story. Overall, they've raised over $34,000 by tipping. This is a good way to make a big difference for a lot of people. Hey, listen, there's a lot of people hurting out there. Make sure you tip your waiters and waitresses and anybody else that helps you out. People are just trying to get through, and if you can afford to do it, do it. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that does it for us this week. Keep it here all week. More impeachment, more news, more politics. We'll see you next weekend.